What an honour to be here and to, uh, to share a few thoughts with you. We're going to get into God's Word. Um, I have hastily prepared a couple of um, readings for us, two, not one, but two readings this morning, which Natalie's going to read to us. Thanks. So the first reading is from Luke 18. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him, told him to be quiet, and he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they praised God also. And the second reading is from 2 Corinthians 12. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think me, more of me than I warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassing great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's great. Thank you, Natalie. That was the word of the Lord. Brilliant. Fabulous. (laughs) Two types of grace. First story, the grace that fixes things takes away the problems, restores the sight. Second kind of grace, the grace that says, I'm just going to sustain you in the hardship. Now, I'm going to go out on a, on a limb here. I'm guessing most of us prefer the first type of grace, yeah? Yeah, I mean, stick, stick your hands up. Those of you who would prefer to have the grace that says, I'm not going to fix the problem, I'm just going to sustain you. Just raise your hands now if that's your preferred. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You know, my favourite kind of grace is the grace where God comes and he fixes the thing. He just takes away the problem. I have two friends at the church that we're just in the process of, uh, of leaving, of moving on from at St. Luke's. Um, one, and both of them have um, uh, lifelong health diagnosis. Um, one of them's uh, a lady called Emily. And, uh, and the Lord put it on my heart and a few others to pray for her every Tuesday uh, to pray that this um, life-altering, life-defining um, uh, health condition would be changed, that God would heal her. 
And uh, around about the same time, I discovered that one of my other friends, uh, a lady called Lara, uh, also had quite a serious um, health thing. And the Lord put it on my heart and a few others for us to pray and fast for her every month, once a month. And we had a little WhatsApp group uh, that, that got to um, got rallied us to do that. The, um, the wonderful news is that um, I found out a few weeks ago, in fact, um, shortly before I, I left St. Luke's, that, um, that it looks like the Lord has healed Emily. Uh, yet to get uh, proper medical verification, but all of the meds that she was dependent on, um, uh, she no longer, leads, no longer needs. And all of the symptoms that she has experienced for so many years of her life appear to have gone. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. We rejoice with that. With Lara, um, the, um, the symptoms appear to, to be better. I mean, they're, they're, they're a lot less severe than they would be, but there's no all-clear diagnosis. In both cases, in both cases, these women of God have been taken deeper in their love for Jesus, in their trust of Jesus. But the expression of grace in their life, well, it's quite different. And if I'm perfectly honest, If I were to go for one or the other, I'd go for Emily's type every time. But in the scriptures and in history, we see God expressing his grace in both ways. So you've got Bartimaeus. He's at the roadside. He's heard about Jesus. The entourage comes. You you, you you hear the commotion. and Oh, it's Jesus. Jesus is coming. And he says, this is my opportunity. This is my chance. And he calls out. From, we don't know how far away, but it was clearly within earshot. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And um, he doesn't hear much response. You know, how many times have you prayed and the response you've got is silence? But he perseveres. He cries out all the more. And eventually he attracts some attention, but it's not the kind of attention that he wants. The disciples come up to him and they shush him. Say, well, he hasn't got time for people like you. Shush, you know, get on with it. You know, we've got important things for Jesus to do over here. But he perseveres in prayer. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus calls him over. And from one of the other Bible translations, we know this guy, his name is, is Bartimaeus. Uh, and in Emil- and um, uh, Ali preached on the story of Bartimaeus here just two weeks ago, which is, I think, what flicked this off in my mind this morning as I was asked spontaneously to come up with something helpful. Uh, and, um, and Jesus interacts with him. And it was both powerful and personal as Ali explained two weeks ago, and he was healed. God's grace to fix the problem. Then we read the second Bible reading from 2 Corinthians, written by Paul. Paul, someone who had seen the Lord do amazing, miraculous things on earth. The grace of God expressed in the most extraordinary miracles fixing the problem, taking the problem away, giving people exactly what they were hoping for. And even he reaches a point where he's crying out to God. This man who has glimpsed something of the heavens, we don't quite know what he means by that phrase, but he has gone to and experienced something of the heavenly realms where there is no more suffering and no more tears. And even he says, I pleaded with the Lord to take this thorn away from me. We don't know what that thorn was, a physical ailment. Someone in the church who was giving him a hard time. We don't know. Three times I pleaded, and each time Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. The other kind of grace 
if I'm honest, not my preferred grace. But we experience both, don't we? Um, one of the things that I've loved all the while my son Archie, who was sitting there and he's popped out to youth now, all the while he was at primary school, one of the things I loved was walking him to school in the morning and often in the, uh, picking him up in the afternoon and hanging out with the, with the dads at the school gate. Uh, there was uh, quite a sort of cliquey bunch of dads and they were, the, they were pretty cool and they would hang out and they would chat and they would go out for coffee and I thought, well, I, I, maybe it was the unction of the Holy Spirit, I don't know, but I thought, I'm going to infiltrate that lot and I'm going to share Jesus with them. And uh, so I just bowled straight up and I said, hi, you don't know me, know me, but my name is Colin, my son Archie's just started in year five and, uh, you know, just sort of bowled straight in. And they took me under their wing and they took me to heart and I gradually became their friend. And they knew straight from the, from the word go that uh, I was a Christian, that I followed Jesus. Uh, and a number of times I'd pray for them. And there was this one occasion when um, one of the dads, his name is Wichar, and he, um, he was sort of hobbled over to the group. Our little, uh, it, became a, it continued as a little cliquey group, but it, had a, it was a C-shape rather than an O-shape now when we huddled together because I made sure that there was always a, a gap for other dads to come in. And we were chatting and he hobbled over and what's up with your knee? And he's like, oh, I've done my knee, but it's a, you know, it's a sports injury from when I was young. And I said, Wickart, at my church, we pray for people to be healed. Can I pray for your knee? And he was like, yeah, okay. Um, he's from Pakistan, he's a Muslim. And I said, oh, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus for your knee to get better. So I knelt down and I prayed for his knee. Jesus' name, and I commanded it to be well. All of the things that I'd learned in seminars and been taught and stood up and said, how is it? And he goes, it's just the same. (laughs) I'm like, so I prayed a second time, absolutely no change whatsoever. But he was glad that I prayed for him. Um, A couple of days later, we were walking home. This was uh, when we were not in lockdown. And um, uh, and it began to rain. And I walked with Sanjay up to his car. And then instead of walking all the, the way, he said, I'll give you a lift to my car home. I said, fine. And as we got in, he said, it was interesting you were praying for Wickard because actually I was wondering if you could pray for my back because I've got really bad back pain. So there in the car, I prayed for him and I commanded him in Jesus' name that his his back would get better. And um, I said, how does it feel? And he twisted around. He goes, oh, it feels exactly the same. (laughs) Prayed a second time, absolutely no change. But he was glad to be prayed for. That was the Monday, then it was the Wednesday. On the Friday, picking up Archie from school. And um, uh, another friend of mine, uh, he's not part of the dad's group, but um, I'd like him to be. And he's a Christian guy. And he came and he said very loudly, God has done a miracle. And he described how his daughter, he prayed for his daughter and she got better um, instantly. And the symptoms left immediately. And my friend Sanjay, who's back where I prayed for, he was smiling throughout. This a Christian friend left and I said, Sanjay, what are you smiling at? He said, oh yeah, uh, I believe that, 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 that God does miracles. I said, why is that? He says, because Wednesday night, when I go into sleep, I realised my back was completely better. He said, it's the first time I've been able to sleep in five weeks. Jesus heals. I said, yes, he does. He says, oh, by the way, Wickard's knee is better. Isn't that cool? Let's praise the Lord for that, shall we? Come on. I'm excited about that because that doesn't happen very often. That's not the norm for me. The kind of grace I experience more often is the kind of grace that sustains where Jesus is close with us and saying, do you know what? It's not going to end in a round of applause, but I'm going to draw you close to me. 
There's a guy, um, a former president of the Baptist Union in America called Bob Wicker, and he tells a story of how his daughter was once driving down a deserted highway. She was relatively late at night, and she's driving down a deserted highway, um, driving very carefully, and coming the other way was a large truck. And just as they were about to pass, this large truck just swerved just a little and just clipped the front of her car, but it sent her car into a spin. It didn't just skid off, it actually turned. And she was thrown from the car and landed with her back straight on the pavement. And uh, and something happened with her breathing. Um, I don't don't know medically what happened, but it it meant that, that something trapped in her throat and she was unable to breathe. And there on the pavement, she began to suffocate. And maybe, what, 30, 60, 90 seconds before she was dead. Astonishingly, on this deserted highway, there was a car a little bit behind her. And in this car was a doctor. But this wasn't just any old doctor. This was a doctor who specialised in breathing uh, issues. And in fact, it wasn't just a breathing doctor, but a breathing doctor who was just coming from a seminar where he was showcasing a little tool that you use just to, sorry if this is a bit gross, you use to puncture into someone's uh, trachea to enable them to pray in exactly this kind of emergency situation. He had it in his pocket. He saw the accident. He pulled over. He went up to this young woman who was gradually turning blue, administered the treatment. <gasps> she was able to breathe and her life was saved. Now, her throat had this ghastly huge scar all over it. And on her wedding day, Bob says how there was a, there was a debate in the family as to whether she should get a high neck or not for her wedding dress. And uh, she said, no, I do not want to cover up this scar because this scar is evidence of God's grace in my life. And when I heard that story, if you're anything like me, you'd have thought, that's fabulous that she was saved. But if God can arrange for the car behind on this deserted highway to be driven by a doctor, and not just a doctor, a breathing specialist doctor, and not just a breathing specialist doctor, but a breathing specialist doctor who had just the piece of equipment to administer this life-saving treatment. If God can do all of that, Why could God not arrange for the truck to have been three inches over? And the answer is, God's grace comes in two forms. There's the grace where the trouble is taken away. And then there is the grace that mitigates and sustains and draws close. John Piper has a little poem that he says to sum up this. He says, God's grace. Sometimes it's not grace to bar what is not bliss, nor is it flight from all distress. It's this. It's the grace that orders our trouble and pain. And there in the darkness is there to sustain. I wonder... What kind of grace have you experienced from our Lord recently? They're both there in the scriptures. They're both there in history. Um, You may have um, 
Uh, I've been to New Wine or Soul Survivor. So, have you heard of Soul Survivor? It was a summer camp. It was very successful in its day uh, and um, did, a, did a great deal of, of good. Uh, and there was um, uh, another uh, Christian summer camp. You're actually looking at me blankly as if to say, Soul Survivor? <laughs> and um, we, we were regulars at Soul Survivor, regulars at New Wine. And um, one year, when I was in my previous but one church, uh, St. Barnabas in North London, uh, we were there setting up, and it was a blisteringly hot day. It was one of those setups for, for, for New Wine, uh, which we did in the sunlight rather than the rain. It was wonderful. And, um, and the forecast was hot, hot, hot. It was going to stay warm for a long time. And my friend Margaret, um, who, uh, who was, uh, she, sadly she died, she um, died in her 70s, and at the time I think she was late 60s, and, um, uh, and she was there, to, and I said, right Margaret, have you got everything you need? You go, I've got everything that I need, that is, this is how she spoke, I've got everything that I need, Colin, I just need to go and camp in, uh, plug in my camping fridge. I've bought all of my shopping for the entire week, but I know that I can fit it into my fridge. I said, okay, great Margaret, you go, anyway. About half an hour later, she comes back and says, I have a problem. My fridge has smoke coming up the back of it. I really think it is broken. I thought, well, where are you going to get another fridge from, Margaret? I looked at my watch. It was Saturday afternoon, um, and the shops were all closing. So we prayed about it. And uh, she felt the Lord say that she should just drive to the nearest shop. And the nearest shop was like, I don't know, it's a post office or something. I'm like, Margaret, they don't have fridges. I really feel the Lord said that I should just go to this shop. So she went to the shop and, uh, and she said, it's, it's a very strange request. I don't want any stamps. I want a camping fridge. And the guy <laughs> looks at her and says, this is incredible that you should ask. He said, um, just recently, we, we decided to do a new line. I wanted to start selling um, uh, chilled goods. And I bought a little camping fridge. Uh, but the, the line didn't work. Nobody bought it. So I decided just this week that I would get rid of my camping fridge. Um, the amazing thing is, is that I... Uh, only today uh, decided to clean it out. It's just around the back. It's virtually brand new. It's now been cleaned. Would you like it for, I don't know, half of what I paid? So she said, yes, I would. That would be wonderful. And praise Jesus for his provision. <laughs> back she comes, fridge. Now, it's a great story, isn't it, of God's provision? But you can't help but wonder. If God could arrange for Margaret to hear, go to that shop. And if God can arrange, was at that shop for there to have been a camping fridge which was not just available but had recently been cleared and the guy was looking to sell it. If God can arrange all of that, why didn't God just cause her fridge not to break in the first place? And the answer is, often God's grace is not grace to bar what is not bliss, nor is it flight from all distress. Often it's this. It's the grace that orders our trouble and our pain. And there in the darkness is there to sustain. Two types of grace. There's the grace that we all prefer. And then there's the other kind of grace. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And the question I come back to again and again is, but why the second kind of grace, Jesus? I mean, why not just come and do the first type of grace 
like all the time. We'd all prefer it. And just think of the, the faith that it would stir in people. Yeah. The lady on the front knows. You know, we love seeing the answered prayers, don't we? And it does stir and encourage faith. But there is something about trusting in Jesus, even when you haven't got what you want. Or, or it's come in a way that you weren't expecting, or it happened in a time scale that didn't quite fit what you were planning. There's something about trusting in Jesus, even when those thorns haven't been taken away, that grows our faith. Now, what is Jesus looking for on earth? Is he looking to fix all of our problems? Well, he is our saviour. He's the one that transforms fallen creation into redeemed creation. So at one level, yes. But when you read through the Gospels, the things that he is looking for, the things that he esteems, the things that he's after, relationship, faith. Now don't get me wrong here. Don't hear me wrong. I prefer the first type of grace. I think I've made that clear, haven't I? And yet it is the second kind of grace that draws me close to Jesus. In a way, sometimes the first, it makes a good story, but there's not the relational growth over time as I trust in him enduring the thorns.